0: Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. For now, let's get into it. You would think that in this post-mass media age of fragmentation that the old-fashioned brand jingle would not be only out of fashion but out of reach. But in fact, nationwide insurance and finance company brands on your side seven note jingle may be one of the last survivors of media and audience diffusion. It's the centerpiece of some very cool social media campaigns that we took a look at recently, and also some influencer collaborations the brand has been doing. Uh, and it speaks to a smart and diverse use of social channels by nationwide, but also across its other brands, nationwide financial and its pet insurance. Uh, so today we have with us uh Christy Darbon, who is the VP of Marketing for Social at Nationwide. Christy is a true veteran of the social media space, going back to managing the early Facebook and Twitter pages for NBC Universal in the late 2000s. She also managed social for Nestle and Disney before coming to Nationw- Nationwide about five years ago. Hi, Christy.
1: Hi. Great to be here.
0: So why don't we just get a sense of nationwide social footprint? Because I know you are dealing not only with multiple brands, but you're also dealing um, on the enterprise level. You're dealing both B2C, but also B2B because you've got agents that you deal with and other constituencies. So just give us a sense of what that whole social network looks like for you guys.
1: Absolutely. So on uh, the B2C side, we have social presence on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, most recently TikTok. Um, we also have Pinterest, um, and um, the B two B side we do. Uh, LinkedIn is also another uh, platform we're on, and then on the B two B side we have LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, we do um, social programs specifically for B two B. We offer up training, content, and support for all of our uh, intermediaries who help uh, talk about and sell our products. And our team does guidance for that. And then we also are responsible for influencer marketing on both B2B and B2C sides. So using those influencers to tell our story from a brand level, but also sometimes down to the product level.
0: Okay. Um, So when you're using influencers in particular, I'm curious about the both sides of the influencer side, since you mentioned the B2B side. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about the B2C side in a second, but just for a second, tell us a little bit about how you use influencers on the B2B side, who those influencers are, where you find them, and maybe how you use them differently from the way we typically would use B2C influencers.
1: Sure. So if you think about our products, um, we do have quite a number of different industries that we target specifically um, and uniquely agriculture is one of those areas. Mm -hmm. We do look to farms to ensure um, and agribusiness is big for us. So we have worked with some farmers who had a social presence to tell the story to other farmers about the benefit of getting insurance and uh, the value of that. We also support small businesses. So we offer commercial insurance, and that is something where we are talking to small business owners, entrepreneurs, um, middle-sized businesses as well. And we will use restaurant owners, uh, construction workers, contractors, to tell a story to their peers about what that means to get protection. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on, as I mentioned about intermediaries, since we support them, Financial advisors and independent agents are the ones that really we need to make sure they understand the value of our brand and also the scope of our products. So we do some influencer work directly to target them. It can be hard, um, but it is something that we at least try to do where the message would still be relevant for the consumer side, but we want it to be more for that um, agent or advisor.
0: How do you manage all of that? I mean, I think one of the the key challenges for a lot of brands is the basic decisions about how many influencers do we want to use at any one time? How do we manage and communicate to them whether we use agencies or do it in-house? What's your view?
1: We did start off very small a couple of years ago. I think we had one influencer campaign total and it quickly rose to the top of importance and priority from across our marketing management teams. And my team is a centralized uh, function for Nationwide. We work at the enterprise level Mm -hmm. and we realized that we were seeing conflicting messages or overlapping uh, messages and potentially some audience cannibalizing. So we brought all influencer work into my team um, and we work directly with our marketing managers as essentially as clients and help them with timing, influencer selection, Um, and what the content will look like and making sure that it not only resonates for their their particular sub brand or product, but also as an enterprise level uh, holistic view. So we've done a really nice job making sure that we have an ongoing calendar. We have uh, marketing level uh, quarterly updates to share case studies and also try to tap into longer Relationships with influencers when it comes to like messages and like audiences, um, so that's been a big benefit for us.
0: And you're working directly with the influencers. Do you have a sense of you know, Do you have a, a feel a feel for or an idea of how much of a portfolio of influencers you want to maintain at any one time? I know that that's like a, that's a real problem for a lot of social media teams. It's just how many do we want to use? Do we want to go micro niche and micro influencers? Do we want to get get the sort of As much bang for our buck?
1: We have two approaches. So we've decided to go with an always on, where we have somewhat of a consistent pulse in the market. That's typically at the brand level. Mm -hmm. And then we also have um, heavy campaign times where we'll focus in and potentially get more influencers at one time sharing the same message Mm -hmm. um, just to get further reach, more impression, and engagement when it comes to something specific. Um, we also have a cohort of sports talent that we work with based on our relationships with some of the um, national uh, leagues. Um, and then we also have ongoing diverse marketing strategies that include influencers. So we kind of try to take all those together. Mm-hmm. I would say it ranges from uh, five to 15 influencers at any given time. And we try mm-hmm. to space it out. So it is making sure that we're not over overloading the market, but it's also content that we can use on our own channels.
0: Well, good. It's it's a good segue into talking about some specific campaigns, I think. And and in particular, I I, just because I'm an old ad historian, anything that uses the traditional jingle catches my eye. And, And as I said at the opening, jingles are not something that really we hear that much about. There are very few companies that actually can say they have a jingle that people know. Um, But in this case, uh, Nationwide does. It's the On Your Side jingle. And tell us a little bit about the the seven note stories, the Will It jingle. These are the campaigns that really caught my eye. And also that you're using TikTok in particular for a lot of these. So just tell us the background of the campaign and then let's talk about the channel you chose.
1: Absolutely. Um, So our, our jingle has been with us for quite some time. Uh, My four-year-old can even sing it, which makes me very happy that it's that catchy. But it's also simple. It's seven notes, to your point. Um, And we've done a lot of brand building using that jingle. And the two campaigns you talked about, the first being seven note stories, we have a history of working with music artists. And we really wanted to bring to life as we were launching TikTok, how our affiliation with music was important to us. So our spokesperson, her, Um, is a wonderful artist, and we had her record the jingle. Um, She played it on her piano, and she started off the campaign by selecting images for each note in the jingle that told a story. Mm -hmm. And her story was about how her parents always have supported her. We then gave that concept to a number of influencers, and they did their own version of the seven-note story, um, which we were encouraging some UGC content for, and we got a, a lot, a variety of different topics that they covered. It was building a family, building a business, um, sh- buying a home, things like that. So it was very emotional. And it's amazing what seven notes can really get you. Mm. Um, so then we wanted to go into more of a humorous side and decided to do a campaign called Woodlet Jingle? And it started with one of my own associates, um, and he had a child's keyboard at home, and he played the jingle, and that was our first iteration of Will It Jingle? Um, And the concept was we would test different objects to see if it can make the jingle sounds. We've now evolved into um, blowing glass bottles, zippers, um, rubber bands, um, and our other spokespeople, um, Brad Paisley and Peyton Manning have also joined in on the fun and done dog toys um, and tissues, um, which are on our TikTok channel now. And it's been a lot of fun to explore what types of things around you will make that iconic jingle. Um, and so now we're getting some requests on things that we can try, and we're going to hopefully uh, be able to activate on some of those and continue that trend.
0: Before we get into the actual media plan that goes behind this, since you mentioned it, it really comes to mind. And since we're both veterans of the digital space, you have to know what the roots of Will It Jingle are. Not uh, There was an old social, remember the social media campaign, Will It? Blend. Yeah, yes. there was there was a viral campaign, and there are some out there who are too young to remember this. But many years ago, in the early days of social, there was a Will It Blend uh, viral uh, meme that had to do with what putting various objects into a blender. And the question was, will it blend? And it became a phenomenon of just by by virally distributing these videos of people putting the weirdest stuff in blenders. And this one, this this is the kind of thing that sort of is a callback for veterans of the social space, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What we love about it is it is the seven notes are short, you can make Mm -hmm. it very fun and engaging in a very short amount of time, which we know the attention span of our audiences are getting shorter and shorter. So it's a great way for us to get that punch pack of people knowing our jingle and associating it with the brand.
0: So let's, in these cases, like in the Seven Note Stories and Will It Jingle, tell us a little bit about the media plan that goes beneath that. The ways in which you blend organic and paid and how you layer paid onto something like this. What did, what did it look like in these campaigns?
1: Sure, so we, um, we have a couple of ways that we approach social. Um, We start off with an organic approach, including with influencers. And then what we'll do is put um, Spark behind our post. um, And then we'll also potentially, if it's a big enough campaign like Seven Note Story, um, use it as a dark ad and target audiences that we feel like are um, relevant to that content. We also will whitelist the influencer accounts, so we'll provide them some boost money um, so it seems authentic and it really is coming from their channels and getting that extra audience lift uh, within their distribution network.
0: Um, and, And then what are the KPIs and the metrics that you use to evaluate campaigns like this?
1: We really are looking at this point at impressions um, and video views. Um, While we're really excited about engagements, TikTok is the place that we're seeing the most relevant engagements. Lots of back and forth, lots of of comments, um, sometimes almost as many as video views. Um, But with a newer channel, um, we're we're looking at how much reach we can get um, so we can continue to build that and put a baseline benchmark together. Um, And and thinking about, is this video resonating with um, audiences? So that combination of impressions, views, and engagement.
0: That's, that's interesting because in many ways we're using the, one of the most old fashioned of, um, of branding mechanisms, the jingle. And in some sense, you're using very new channels, but employing some very old metrics to try to get that, to try to understand that overall brand lift is you really are using reach um, and just overall views as the measurement here, because it's that big of a branding play, but you're using these much more discrete and different channels to get there.
1: Yes, we um, really try to use social for a variety of functions across the marketing funnel, but we're realistic on when those are, are truly a brand play and how that can make into a broader marketing mix. So if we're thinking about brand level content, including the jingle, how is that contributing to brand and not necessarily bringing people further down?
0: Now, I know that another part of this uh, this process is the ways in which you're using social listening generally, because of course nationwide is a brand with a lot of customers, a lot of customers with a lot of attitudes, a lot of experiences. This is all gonna be coming out on, on social feeds that you have to monitor and manage. Um, how are you using social listening uh, in particular to, uh, I wanna focus particularly on paid media and the ways in which you use social listening to then talk to and the ways you talk to the paid media team. And I I don't mean just your own social paid, but but just overall Nationwide's larger advertising reach. I'm curious about the interactions between what you're using online and hearing from users, but then how that informs actual campaigns.
1: Sure. We um, employ a small committee called our moderation team that consists of our legal partners, our customer relations, uh, public relations, and social media teams. And we each week sit down and evaluate what are some trending things that are happening? What's the content that's coming down the pike so we can prepare? Um, And then we have two community managers who are doing all of our social listening. So they're seeing what we're being tagged in, but they're also proactively seeking conversations that maybe nationwide isn't mentioned, that it could be relevant to our business, whether it's around life events um, or we are seeing similar topics that they're covering that would be considered protection that would be in our umbrella. So what we've been doing for social listening is obviously when we do have paid uh, social going out or if it's on air or in another medium, we're always making sure that we're aligned and synced at what those campaign keywords are so that if we're getting any feedback, we can analyze the sentiment and provide that direction to both our creative team and our paid media team. The other I'm, thing we're doing-
0: I'm sorry, go sorry. ahead, no, finish. please. Finish. Oh,
1: The other thing we're doing is um, making sure that we're generally having a pulse on what people are saying about our business and our mm. industry so that we can incorporate those Uh, Changes into how we're bringing content to them, whether that's a paid social ad or if we're thinking further about different marketing tactics. So we'll use listening reports to come up with some key themes and buckets on areas that we want to focus on, and we'll bring it to the marketing management team or the paid media team.
0: Are there any any uh, surprises of late? Any key themes where you think that you've really where social listening has really had an impact on the way that nationwide goes to market?
1: And um, one of the things that happened recently was um, we saw some uh, listicles that were listing nationwide for specific product. I can't name that here, but um, we were able to bring that to the team and say, you know, we haven't really been talking about this from the consumer perspective, but this is probably something we should highlight. Um, so it was not something that was at the forefront of the marketing priority, but because it was seeing some traction, we decided to make some content around it and publish mm-hmm. that.
0: So. Um- you you mentioned you're you're going into TikTok now and I'm curious I'd love to know how TikTok you, you, you have loads of experience with almost all of the major platforms. Um, you were, you know, you and I both remember MySpace, you know? Well, sure do. Uh, and, uh, so I'm curious where, uh, let's talk about TikTok a little bit, but also what major changes you've seen in social media. Obviously we've seen a change in the ways in which uh, the social media platforms come to market with their ad products and their, and the metrics and the data that they're sharing. So I'm just curious about, from your perspective where you think we are in the evolution of social media what have been the key changes so far that you've been noticing lately and especially where TikTok fits in here
1: yes tiktok um ha- was something on our radar for a while and we were a little bit late coming to the game we launched this year at the super bowl um we are one of those brands that likes to uh make sure that we're prepared for any platform we're going to be launching on so we took a good year and a half to put together a plan have a strategy, uh, have a measurement plan, understand what our phased approach would be and understand what kind of content we'd be creating. Um, So we were very thoughtful when we were coming to market on TikTok and we leveraged our partnerships, um, our talent, uh, influencers, and um, even my own team uh, and their creative abilities to be able to bring it to life. The difference of TikTok from other platforms that we have seen has been the heavy lift in content creation, which I think we expected. We knew it would be a lot of work to be able to put out a frequency of video. Um, I have led Snapchat before um, at my time at Abercrombie & Fitch. And that was um, also one of those things where you're thinking about uh, ephemeral content and Mm -hmm. what is the relevancy and how are you building audiences and um, using different features of the platform. So I would say I do feel like the, platforms are starting to cannibalize functions a little bit before it was very specific. Hmm. Facebook did this, Twitter did this, and now they're all kind of bleeding into each other's space. Um, and in fact, a lot of them tell me that they don't even consider themselves a social platform, which I think is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have noticed that we're trying similar tactics on different platforms to see which where it's going to perform the best. Hmm. Um, and that's that's been an interesting approach for us obviously the environment has changed a lot as well. If you think about the news and politics and leadership changes at some of these platforms, um, there's just been a lot around data privacy. There's been a lot about trust. And I think my biggest opportunity um, that I would recommend to brands is going back to what was a conversation probably five, six years ago about authenticity. Mm -hmm. Because as these platforms are broadening their functions and their uh, features, I feel like brands and influencers are doing the same where they're broadening to get more engagement, more reach um, and to get hone back in on what that real authentic brand experience is um, to prevent some of the negative backlash, but also double down in what your brand really stands for is something we can all
0: think about. Is there influencer fatigue? Is that part of the problem is that everybody, everybody seems to be their own brand now, everybody seems to be on the make. And in an environment like that, it's hard to, for, for brands who are really looking for authentic authentic connections, it's a, it's an environment that's hard to penetrate them.
1: It is hard to penetrate. I think what where we're seeing success is honing in on influencers who were really speaking to their target. It's not the name of the person. It's we're looking at the audience, we're looking at their style, and we want to tap into their real self and their real message so it doesn't feel like a stretch. Um, And oftentimes what we'll do is pick some of the smaller influencers, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: but they're more focused in on the niche uh, that we're looking to talk to.
0: What do you think are the biggest challenges then that you're going to face in the coming year?
1: Um, With an election year coming up, it always causes a little spike, in my opinion, on people feeling the freedom to express opinions, um, which can... Carry over into the brand's world. Uh, It can carry over into campaigns. It can carry over to influencers, um, because hot topics keep coming up. People are watching the news even more than ever. Um, So that that's always something we we look for and think about. Um, We have a crisis communication plan. We have um, a great team to uh, triage our incoming comments. Um, But it also does flood the market with messages. So you're thinking about how are you playing. In the space where there's a increased volume of people consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you fit in there as part of the the environment and make sure that your message is still shining through and relevant and not getting muddied in the waters.
0: That's that that the first insight really interests me because I I don't know if I've heard that part before. I mean, I've certainly heard about the ways in which political years raise volume um, and and costs, especially for for paid media. But the idea that it raises the temperature is yeah. really that's really fascinating to me. That it seems everybody simply becomes or people online simply become more vocal, more outspoken, maybe even a little hotter headed. Mm-hmm. That's
1: certainly the experience I've had. I I feel like um, it it's kind of the same during holiday in a very different way. Hmm. Holiday is an, a time where people have their mind focused on certain things. So if your noise coming in, they just filter that out or they they negatively associate that. Um, so with politics, I feel like they're consuming all these ne- ne- these messages about politics, and then they're taking that perspective into other parts of
0: their world. Wow, that's fascinating. Christy Darbin, uh, obviously you're a veteran of this space because you think harder about social than I think most people, and, and it was really refreshing to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for hitting play on Media Post's Brand Insider podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to mediapost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at mediapost.com. Until next week... Let's mark it carefully out there.